In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, that feast that was 50 days after Passover, 50 days after the resurrection of the Lord. The disciples were there, we think maybe in the upper room. And what happened? But several things happened. There was a mighty rushing wind, and there, was, um, there were flames as of fire, which is very interesting, upon their heads, and they began to speak in other languages. What a marvelous miracle. What an incredible event. What an amazing historical thing that happened where God supernaturally broke in and poured out his own spirit upon his people, upon those who believe in Jesus Christ. Well, for something um, intangible, we see throughout Scripture that the Holy Spirit is often described in tangible ways. But it's usually a little bit vague. It's never like it was a dove. The Holy Spirit was a dove. He was a dove. It was, he was like a dove when he descended upon Jesus at his baptism. John, in John, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit being poured out, springing up within the heart of a believer in John chapter 7. So it's almost like the, water, the Holy Spirit is like water. I think those two images of the dove, the purity, that pure white bird descending, and then also of the water flowing out and moving, somehow describes um, the Holy Spirit in that the Holy Spirit cannot be contained. You're not always sure what's going on. There's that movement and almost a sense of uncertainty. And yet... Um, In these passages, in Acts, we see that here the Holy Spirit is described in terms of the elements of fire, like the divided tongues, but it's as of fire, not actually fire. What must it have looked like that Luke had to say it was like fire, but we don't really know what that was. It was pretty incredible. Um, And that there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. They had no idea what to think because they had never, ever experienced anything like this before. This was something wholly other with a capital O. This is God himself coming down, breaking into his creation, present in a new way for those who believe in Jesus Christ. Peter would stand up where we left off in the... In the um, book of Acts, and he would stand up and he would tell all those onlookers who were amazed and skeptical, some of them, he would tell them, I know they said, oh, they're just drunk, don't mind them. Um, He would tell them exactly what this was. He would preach and tell them that the Holy Spirit was the promise of God, and that the promise came about because of Jesus. And he would go on to tell about Jesus and how they could have forgiveness of sins through faith in Jesus. How Jesus had died, been raised from the dead, and then exalted to the right hand of the Father. And that in Jesus' bodily absence, um, they were experiencing what they saw. And many would believe, and then they too would receive the Holy Spirit. So this promise that Peter talks about later on in his sermon in Acts chapter 2, this promise of God, this Holy Spirit, is promised to the disciples by Jesus in our gospel passage for today from John chapter 14. 
there we see that Jesus promises to send them, in verse 16, another counselor. What does that mean? What does that mean? Many words are used to translate that one Greek word for the Holy Spirit in John chapters 14, 15, and 16. And if you read um, our version tonight, said the counselor. You may have also heard these words described, used in this passage to describe the Holy Spirit. The helper, that's what the ESV says. The advocate, that's what the NRSV says. The friend, and even the comforter. So what does this mean? What does this mean about the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Is he like a comforter? Is he like that down thing that I prefer to um, sleep under that... Um, it's really hard to get out of in the winter because it's so warm and comforting and soft. Maybe. But Acts chapter 2 doesn't seem to talk about something very soft and unassuming and delicate and um, comforting. It sounded like a great upheaval there. What does this word for the Holy Spirit, this word paraclete, maybe you've heard that word before, what does it mean? But we have to look at Jesus' own words to his disciples. He goes on to explain who this person is and what he will do for them. He he cannot be there until Jesus goes. In Jesus' bodily absence, he then sends the Holy Spirit for those who believe in him. So that in the absence of Jesus, as Jesus is exalted at the right hand of the Father, he will still be present in our midst. God will still be present in our midst. And this, um, this word used to describe um, who the Holy Spirit is, is combined with this description of the Holy Spirit being both in them, that he will dwell in them through faith. And that's what we see it in Acts 2, that the Holy Spirit comes down and dwells in them. How could the Holy Spirit dwell in a human being? What does that mean? Well, I I like to take it from this um, one beautiful image that my sister uh, has forever created for me. And my sister is a wonderful oil painter and artist. And her senior year of college, she did this huge art exhibition. She was a potter as well. She made all of these giant pots. She welded nine, um, no, no, five nine-foot-tall steel structures that were... um, sculptures that she had made, and each of those sculptures was a pot, um, a vessel. And her uh, her whole title for her thesis was The Human Body as a Vessel. The Human Being as a Vessel. And I remember visiting her in college that year, and she was making one of her giant nine foot tall structures, and she had put a plumb line in it to try and measure it to make sure it would stand up straight. And she thought about leaving that plumb line right there see if that pot would stand straight. She thought about the human body, us, human beings, as vessels. And this is clearly what Scripture would seem to say, that we are vessels ready and waiting to be filled. Waiting to be filled with either unholy things or the Holy Spirit. And that's part of our life as Christians, that... As the Holy Spirit is available to us through faith in Jesus Christ, we continue to take the trash out. That's what we do every time we repent. Every time we say the confession, we are taking the trash 
out so that there is a space for the Holy Spirit to dwell. We're putting the garbage on the curb and saying, uh, I don't want this anymore. This is, I don't want this to be a part of my life anymore. I don't want to fill myself with this anymore. I can't do this or it will destroy me and others around me. And then opening ourselves up through faith in Jesus Christ and then receiving his own spirit, the spirit of the Father, the Holy Spirit, into our hearts. Well, Jesus says the Holy Spirit would dwell in those who believe in him. He will dwell in you. And he says this in John 14. And he he abides with you. He remains with you. The Holy Spirit dwells in those who believe. And the Holy Spirit also is with those who believe in Jesus. In and with. Well, why? Why is the Holy Spirit in those who believe and with those who believe? Well, we are vessels, but we are broken vessels. We're broken vessels that leak. And we need to be filled again. That's why we keep taking the trash to the curb. It's a chore that's never done, isn't it? And we keep receiving, again, the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, how do we receive again? How is it that the Holy Spirit is with us? And I would say to you today that that word, that strange word that gets translated so many different ways, paraclete, encourager, advocate, counselor, what does that mean except that it has to do with words, with the role of the Holy Spirit in um, being called upon, We call upon God, and he sends his Holy Spirit to help us, to rescue us, to save us um, through Jesus. And yet also he is coming, and yet he also has this work from outside of us. And that work from outside of us is a work involving the words, involving God's own words to us. And I would say that in Jesus Christ, Uh, We have God's second word to us. We have the first word of God to the people of God through the law made known to Moses. Um, On that mountain long ago, the law was revealed, and it was a communication from God, a word from God about how to be holy, this way of holiness. And that first word, though it set up this example of holiness and purity, it also reveals to the people of God, to us, in fact, how unholy we are. When we see it, we say, Woe is me, for I am a woman of unclean lips. I have not followed that law. So the law condemns us, and yet the second word of God is that word to us, revealed to us in the eternal word, our Lord Jesus Christ, that in sending Jesus Christ to us, God is saying that our condemnation is over. That he is speaking his word of love and acceptance, his word of pardon over us. And that word of pardon that we have from God through the person and the work, and most specifically, the death of Jesus Christ for us, that word is revived through the work of the Holy Spirit in an ongoing way in our life. The Holy Spirit is with us, outside of us, Yes, dwelling within, but outside, so that when we leak, when we fall, 
when there's trash to be taken to the curb, he speaks again God's good word to us through Jesus Christ. And that word is a word of encouragement. Not a word that we've deserved, but a word from outside of us. Holy other. And I can only say that um, I think of this, and I think of this one time in college when I really messed up. I'm sure all of you could probably say that sentence, that one time in college when I really messed up. Well, for me, I was so involved in theater that I was not only in a show one semester, but I was also the master carpenter for the show, which meant that I spent every waking hour at the theater or in class. And so there was no time to get all of my schoolwork done. I remember that one spring several years ago. Actually, I can say that now. I'm old enough to be able to say several years ago. And I, I actually pulled three all-nighters in one week during finals. Don't ever do this, by the way. Um, <laughs> three all-nighters in one week to try to finish all of my schoolwork and all of my exams. And I remember that I was so exhausted that I was literally falling asleep in one of my exams. I had to write an essay. I won't tell you what it was on, but it was for philosophy. It was a doozy. And I literally found myself falling asleep while I wrote the exam. And I would wake up and read the words that I'd written. And they were my dream. I was writing my dreams on this philosophy exam. And I left that room sleepy, very sleepy, kind of um, out of touch with reality, knowing I'd made a huge mistake, knowing I probably had just failed, gotten my first F ever. And I was a good student. I would never gotten an F. This would have been my first F, big, fat F, and that is what I would have earned. I got home, and a few weeks later, I got a call from Dr. Talbot, my philosophy professor, and he said, oh, Deborah, we had two students who didn't put their names on their exams, and you're one of them. You know, you had a decent grade in the class going up until the final, and so I'm just going to give you that grade because I don't know which exam is yours. I ended up with an A in that class. And I totally did not deserve it. I deserved that the final exam was half of the grade. I did not deserve it. That is one example in my life that I can point to of this word from outside of me that just imputed to me a goodness that I did not have. I got an A when I should have gotten an F. And there was nothing I could do to change it. It was just a gift to me. And that is the word, like the, like the word of God, that comes from outside of us, that is undeserved, that it is a good and gracious pronouncement upon us, even though we don't deserve it. And we receive that through faith in Jesus Christ once and for all, because of his once and for all sacrifice for us on the cross. And yet we receive it again and again through the power of the Holy Spirit as God speaks that word over us. And as he is outside of us, with us, speaking that good word over us, encouraging us, even when we fail, even when we fall down, and then he delights to fill us and dwell within us. The other time that we see this fancy word, this paraclete word, is in 1 John 2, 1. And there it is about Jesus Christ. If anyone does sin... We have an advocate, a paraclete, a counselor, an encourager with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 
And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. In Jesus, through faith in him, our sins are forgiven. And we, experiencing, we can experience that again and again through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it is that re-experiencing of that truth in our life that then produces within us the fruit of righteousness. That pushes us out beyond ourselves to go and bear witness to Jesus to the ends of the earth. And so for that we can say, thanks be to God.